0: So good to see you, you know, um, today we've got more of a fuller house and it's good to see people coming to the house of God. This is where we need to be, right? was not that worship great this morning? Wow, you know, and Jason just texted me and said we have uh, a short worship team because some people couldn't, some people were sick, some had a, other commitments and, you know, and these, they were, but said, you know, our family, we're going to do it. And certainly with God's help, you did it and brought in the worship presence of God. Thank you. Thank you for serving for your commitment too as well. Um, thank you for watching us online too. If you're joining us online, big welcome to you. And I know there's some people that are watching us from all right across the country. So welcome if you're even watching us from Ontario. So we love Ontario too, right? So even though we're in Alberta, right? <clears throat> anyway, we won't go there. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're well, well into this series. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And uh, our series uh, this month is called Kingdom Come. So before we continue, bow your heads, close your eyes, and uh, let's get into the word. Father, thank you for the word of God. You said that God, in um, Timothy, Paul told Timothy that Timothy, the, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the attitudes of our thoughts and our minds. Let the word do its work, Lord. Let it release faith in our life, courage in our life, release the blessings of God in our life because the truth is what sets us free. So thank you for the word of God. Anoint me to preach this word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we're talking about the kingdom, and if there's ever a message that Jesus talked about more than any other, when he was living on this earth, it was about the kingdom. Every word <laughs> Jesus went, he talked about the kingdom, and every time they asked him, you know, why he had come to earth, you know what he said? He said over and over and over, "I have come to declare the kingdom of God." Every time he talked, he talked about the kingdom about the kingdom of God. All the parables. We're about the kingdom of God. When he taught his disciples, when he taught us how to pray, he said, Our Father in heaven, then what did he say? He said, Say your kingdom come. Right? So when we look look and read about the kingdom of God in the Bible, we see that there are many images, many metaphors to describe the kingdom of God in Scripture. But I believe that there is none more pronounced and probably more profound than this one is the concept of jubilee so i'm going to talk about jubilee the kingdom of god is the is is the kingdom of jubilee the kingdom of god is a jubilee now this whole thing about jubilee you know where it comes from right out of the old testament leviticus chapter 25 now we know God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Some some kids said it was Mount Sinai. No, it's Mount Sinai. <coughs> Jesus, you know, he, Moses got a headache up there. No. <coughs> so anyway, one of the greatest commandments that God gave was to keep the Sabbath day holy, right? And that's the third commandment of the Ten Commandments. But in Levit- 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 Leviticus chapter 25 God takes this concept of Sabbath even further, and he tells Moses to tell the people in, the, in, in, in that chapter to observe that not just the seventh day, the Sabbath, to keep it holy as day of rest, but they're also to observe the seventh year. The seventh year of their lives is the Sabbath year. Now, if you were a farmer, what you would do is you would take your land and you would parcel it off into seven sections. Then and every year, one of those parcels were design- designated holy to do nothing with it. No planting, no seed. Let it rest to restore back its natural health and potential. You no, know, it's the concept of environmental responsibility. God calls us to take care of the earth, to give the earth a chance to come back to its potential fullness. But, you know, there's a third thing that, that comes out of here in Leviticus Chapter twenty five. And it's this. There's this fiftieth year. It's called the year of Jubilee. Sabbath is not just a day. The Sabbath is also the concept of Sabbath includes a seventh day, a seventh year, and a fiftieth year. Now, in the fiftieth year, the fiftieth year is called the year of Jubilee. What does Jubilee mean? It means Yahoo! Mountain Dew. No, Yahoo! Right? Wow, celebration, joy, festivity, pleasure. So in this 50th year, these three things are supposed to happen. As, as written in Le, Leviticus chapter 25, number one on your PowerPoint, all debts are canceled. Wow, that makes, would make many of us smile today. All your debts are canceled. Not even a mortgage debt. Everything is, is it's canceled out. All deaths are canceled. Number two, all prisoners are set free. All prisoners. Now, uh, now I know and some of you are going to freak out a bit and say, wait a minute. Yeah, that death thing, yeah, that's probably a good thing. But uh, all prisoners being set free, I'm not so sure, sure about that. I mean, all the murderers, the rapists, the terrorists, you know, are all, they're, 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 they're going to be everywhere, you know. <clears throat> I want to tell you, don't get nervous because if you read the new testament you'll find out the only thing that they put you in jail for in those days was debt was debt everything else you know what they did they killed you (laughs) they killed you that's right (laughs) so you're in biblical times right in biblical times if you talk back if you even talk back to your parents and you swore at your parents you know what they do to you they would have you stoned, right? In those days, getting stoned, you know what that meant? Yeah, yeah. it's not what, you know, getting stoned means meant to today, right? <laughs> getting stoned then meant you had rocks thrown at you and you lost your life, amen? So, three things, all deaths are canceled, all prisoners are set free, and number three, all land, all the land is given back to Those who originally possessed it, it is a redistribution of land and possessions right back to the rightful owner. Wow, wow, wow. And all this, all this was good news for the poor. Good news for the poor. The Jubilee was literally a new start for people, for those who had lost out in in life's race, and it was a chance. A chance. For a brand new beginning, a new start, a new point of hope. And the the Lord said to Moses, Tell them, the 50th year is your year of Jubilee. Is your Jubilee year. In Leviticus chapter 25 verse 8. Count off seven Sabbaths of years. Seven times seven years. Seven Sabbaths of seven years adds up to 49 years. Then sound loud blasts on the ram's horn on the 10th day of the 7th month, the day of atonement. Sound the ram's horn all over the land. Sanctify the 50th year. Make it a holy year. Proclaim freedom over all the land to everyone who lives in it, rich, poor, in between. A jubilee for you. Each person will go back to his family's property and reunite with his extended family. In the 50th, the 50th year is your jubilee year. Don't sow. Don't reap what volunteers itself in the fields. Don't harvest the unattended flocks because it is. It's the jubilee and a holy year for you. Wow. You know, the whole tenor of this passage, it just breathes the setting of, ed, that, that, uh, of everything that was wrong suddenly gets turned around and gets set right, right? This is the year of Jubilee. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Then in Isaiah 61, it says, and Isaiah sees that when Messiah, when the Messiah comes, the Messiah is the one who will declare the Jubilee. And you will know Him as Messiah. You will know He is Messiah by the virtue of the fact that He declares the Jubilee. So Isaiah said, when Messiah comes, He's going to declare to the people these words. Isaiah 61 verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has called me to bring good news to the poor, sight to the blind, deliverance to the captives, deliverance to the oppressed. He has called me to called upon me to declare the acceptable year of our Lord. This is the year of Jubilee. Now, let's move. Fast forward in time to the fourth chapter of Luke. 700 years later, 700 years, they're still waiting for Messiah to show up. And, you know, they're living under Roman rule, and they're still waiting for the Messiah, the leader, the Savior, the rescuer, to free them. From Roman domination. And to give him a whole new life. To make him into a nation again. And so for 700 years later. In Luke's gospel. Chapter 4. Jesus has just come out of the desert. 40 years. And 40 days. 40 nights. Tempted by the enemy. By the, by the devil. He goes in. Led by the spirit. Scripture says he comes out in the power of the Spirit, and what he does, he that's that's the launching of his ministry. He goes out and he goes all over Galilee. He goes to every time town and he preaches in all the all the synagogues. And he news about him just spreads all over the countryside. And he is Jesus. He's getting to be very, very well known. And he says when he and he preaches in and he you know he's preaching... He's preaching and he's teaching. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is right near you. And he's, he's preaching these words. And, and everybody hears, who hears them, praises him. They love what he's saying. Well then, Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. And the synagogue is full. It was probably his mom Mary. His mom Mary said, you know, my son, my son is going to be speaking at the synagogue, at the central synagogue. You've got to come hear him. The, the words that he's speaking to you, he, it will change your life. So, of course, the place is absolutely packed. It's full. <clears throat> and then Jesus is there, and he stands up, and he asks for the scriptures, the teaching. And he, and he goes, he opens the scrolls, and he goes right to that part. In Isaiah, where, in Isaiah 61, It's got these words written. Now, just step back. Now, I want you to picture the setting. Picture the setting. Every Jew, every Jew knows these scriptures he's about to read. And every Jew knows that whoever declares and reads these scriptures is declaring Jubilee. And when he does that, when he's declaring Jubilee, he's simultaneously at the same time declaring that he is Messiah. So you can imagine the drama as Jesus reads these words. Again, Luke chapter 4 verse 1. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to to declare good news to the poor, sight to the blind, deliverance to the captives, deliverance to the oppressed. He has called upon me to declare the acceptable year of our Lord. Wow! Wow! When he said, big shock, mega, mega shock. And everybody knows what he's done. He sits down and the scripture says, the eyes of every single person on that synagogue were fastened, were riveted on him because they knew what he had just done. He had declared the jubilee and only Messiah was supposed to do that. And they're staring at him. And in verse 20, he says, This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your eyes. And it's as though he was saying, in case you didn't get it, folks, this is it, I'm it. I am Messiah. The kingdom has come. Amen? Wow! No, listen. Now, when Jesus made this declaration, when he made this proclamation, that the year of jubilee had come. He was not talking about a calendar year as we know it. He was not talking about 12 months, 52 weeks. And he was. And, and his, this proclamation wasn't directly about this event, a jubilee as the Old Testament understanding of it was. What he was doing was well, he was doing this. He was referring to a new season, a new era of time, a new chapter of, In the story of God's grace. Where God would provide undeserved grace. Unmerited. Unearned. Undeserved. Over the top. Favor. Crazy favor. Endless favor. Kingdom favor. The favor of the king and his kingdom. Amen? This is a scripture. In Psalm 34, most of us are familiar. We have probably heard this word. The psalmist says this, O taste and see that the Lord our God is good. I love that last song. Remember that last song we just saw? God, you are so, so good. We are living in your goodness. The psalmist said, O taste and see That the Lord our God is good. How blessed, fortunate, prosperous, favored by God is the man who takes refuge in Him, in Jesus Christ. You know what the psalmist is saying? You've got to see Him. You've got to imagine. You've got to perceive. You've got to understand Him and know Him. You've got to know who He is. The whole Bible is a revelation of God. And all that we know of God, of of His justice, mercy, of His triumph, of His victory. You know, everything, all of it, well, all of it points back, it all funnels, points back to the goodness, the undeserved goodness, mercy, grace, and favor of God over our lives, over your life. Amen? That's what the Bible is, from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about the goodness of God. All about how He loves us, how He came to rescue us. All that He did, especially through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus wanted to tell people, that's who the Father was. That's what the kingdom of God is about. You've got to understand. You've got to know. You've got to perceive. You've got to taste it. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to enter into it. He's calling people, calling people. He's teaching, preaching. He's telling the stories. And he tells this powerful parable story. Probably one of the most famous in the Bible. Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells the story of his lost of the son. A lost son. In the story are two sons. One is a fast living thrill seeking bad decision making son the father gives him everything but so here but instead of living responsibility and making good choices instead what does he do he lives impulsively he lives for pleasure he goes after pleasure in any end he loses everything while he hits rock bottom he hits rock bottom he makes an absolute mess of his life and he comes to his senses He's sitting in a pig pen, ragged clothes, smelling like pigs, dirty, unshaven. And he comes to this point in time, he decides he needs to come home. And he's hoping with all the hope he has in his heart that the father will accept him back, not with the status with the son, as a son, but just as a, a worker, a servant, because he doesn't deserve it. So he goes home. But when his father sees him at a distance, he, his father, he can't contain his joy. He runs to his son and he meets him and he greets him with mercy. Say that word mercy. 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 He shows him love and compassion. He forgives him and he welcomes him home. You know, you look at this picture of what this picture represents, and immediately, of course, you have to come, clu- come to this conclusion, the Father in this story is actually a picture of our Father in heaven. It's Him. It's a, story of, it's, it's, a, it's a picture of God and it's also a picture of His mercy, His mercy. So let's pause for a moment. Let's reflect on God's mercy, on His compassion on His forgiveness, on His acceptance of us. Despite all our unreserved issues, um, um, unresolved issues, our imperfections, our bent towards sin, despite all of that, you know, God gives us mercy. You know, sometimes in church we sing that song, Amazing Grace. What are we singing about? We're singing about His love, His compassion, His mercy. That's what we're singing about. Even when I mess up, even when I make the worst of choices, you know what He gives me? He gives me mercy. He gives me mercy. Every single day we live in the mercy of God. You know, how many of you would say, I am so thankful that God has mercy on me? Amen? I'm so (laughs) thankful for His mercy. Wow. Wow. But, You know, this story that Jesus told, it didn't just stop with the Father showing mercy. There's way more to it. Okay, let's read it. Luke chapter 15, 22 to 24. Turning to his servants, the Father said, Quick, bring the best robe, my very own robe. I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship. I will put it on his finger. And bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. let's prepare a great feast and celebrate for my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive, once, once he was lost, lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrate I love that. and everyone celebrate celebrate it with overflowing joy. Wow, now okay. okay, now this is not just mercy, is it? It's more than mercy. Mercy is when you show someone compassion, when you say, I forgive you for what you have done. It's way more than just mercy. This is a picture of a good God, of a good Father who goes way beyond mercy and starts doing good things to us, providing us with good things, not just forgiving an undeserving son, but it is rewarding an undeserving son giving him the best gifts possible. You know, uh, 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 welcoming him back back home, throwing a party for him in his honor, as if he's the son who has just returned from college, and he's been on the honor roll, and he's just launching into a new successful career in his house. Listen, this is way beyond. This, This is over the top. This is obviously undeserving, isn't it? See, this is what... I'm trying to drive a point here. Now, let's look at the reaction of these two sons. There are two reactions towards God's goodness. That first son, Luke's Gospel 15:21, The son says to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Here the first son is uncomfortable. And he's resisting the extravagant goodness favor of his father. The second son comes in from the field. He hears a celebration. And when he hears what's going on from one of the servants, he is mad. He's sawn, He's depressed. And in verse 29 and 30, he says to his father, Look, how many years I've stayed here serving with you never given you one moment of grief, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? And then this son of yours, who has thrown away your money, notice he says your money, on hers, shows up, and you go all out with a feast. The second son protested it. He says it's irrational that you go this far in your acts of goodness toward him. I know he's your son, but this is way over the top, on your PowerPoint. Both are natural responses. Both are responses of people living today. I've seen this in people that I know. <clears throat> Here's the two responses. One, when the cause comes to God's mercy, we're thankful for it. But when it comes to God's extravagant love and favor and goodness, we just don't think we deserve it. Second response of that second son is this we we think we have to earn it. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to have a you know, to have money set aside to pay for all my kids' education. I don't deserve a, a bigger, better house where, you know, we're not all living in the same room. I don't deserve to have a business that is thriving. And it's making so much money, we're sending money into all kinds of missionary endeavors, making a huge if. I don't deserve it. All I deserve is mercy. Some people say, "I'm just thankful for my salvation. I don't need anything else from God. You don't? Well, what about your next breath? What about the next meal? What about the things that you need for your, for your family, at home and your home? What about all these other things? I want you to look at this next picture. This is a picture from Kevin Gerald's book. It's called Good Things. And in his book, or these, this diagram, he says that God has a, that grace is like a garden. Grace is like a garden. And God has true, two trees in this garden. We're not talking about the Garden of Eden. We're talking about the Garden of God's grace. There are two trees in the Garden of God's grace. There's a the Tree of Mercy, which represents God's uh, righteousness, uh, forgiveness, compassion, peace. then also there's the tree of God's favor. And we get, because of Jesus Christ, we get to partake from both trees, right? And the first tree we're going to partake from is, of course, the, the tree of mercy. But God has more than just mercy for us. He has favor, say favor, favor for me favor for me his goodness his kindness his blessings prosperity that's what god wants that's what jesus allowed you to have when he gave his life for you and he explains it a bit here next point mercy is like a judge finding you guilty finding you guilty then withholds the punishment isn't that what mercy is all about our sins he took our sins upon us through the cross. We didn't have to pay for it. He paid it all for us. You know, you know instead of finding us guilty, he, we, you know, he took our punishment, right? Mercy, that's mercy. Favor, favor is like the same judge then awarding you $10 million. How many could use $10 million? <laughs> And making you his beneficiary after finding you guilty. That's what favor is. Favor is the working out of God's grace. Next point. The mercy tree gives us everything we need to stand shameless and approved by God. What? You know, because of mercy, we can laugh. We can laugh. Because, we've, because God's given us His love, His acceptance, and forgiveness. Leon Fontes. that's Leon Fontaine's acronym of laugh. Everyone needs to laugh to have his love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Mercy tree gives us everything that we need to stand. Shameless, approved by God. The favor tree. The favor tree adds the unimaginable goodness of God to our everyday lives. Wow. We need to understand two things about his favor. Number one, God's favor on us is unearned, is based purely on our relationship and identity with God. Second Corinthians six eighteen, God says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You are a son and daughter of the Father. Amen? I am a son of God. You are Miranda, you are a daughter of the Father, of the King. We are sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. Amen? Isn't that powerful? It's based purely upon relationship, God's favor. Kevin Drill calls it heaven's nepotism. Heaven's nepotism, which means favor shown to a relative by someone in power right? He's doing good things in your life because he's your father. And that's what good fathers do. No, that's what the Lord's prayer is all about. It's a model prayer. What do we pray? First thing, what's the first thing we we pray? First words we pray, our father who art in heaven. Why do we pray that? Because he is our father and we're his kids. Boy, what a good, good father he is. And we can go to him every day say, Father, I need bread today. And, and we can say, Father, I thank you that I can receive bread because you're my Father and I have your favor. It's called family favor, the Father's favor. Amen? Such a powerful, simple, but yet simple revelation. It's so powerful. God wants you to know that you have favor. Second thing, God's favor is not about who you are. It's about whose you are. Whose you are. God wants you to know that his favor flows as naturally into your life as a good father's favor falls naturally into the lives of your children. Dave, you're a good father. And you, have, you bless your children. You, you just you, you love your children. Your favor just flows into the life of your children, doesn't it? That's what a good father does. Provides good things. Takes care of them. That's why we can ask God, not just for, for our provision. We can ask for forgiveness. We can ask him, you know, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. We can ask for his leadership, his direction, his correction in every area of life and lovingly. And we can ask for his protection. Deliver us from the evil one. All these things, provision, power, protection, All the good things of life God wants to give us because He's our Father. And this is how God wants us to see Him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then, though you even know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who what? You've got to ask Him. Sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. Ask Him every time ask him this is how god wants us to see him this is how god wants us to see him he has this thing has this thing for his sons and daughters just like i have and karen and i have a thing for our kids and our grandkids and he wants us to know him as a good good father who wants the very best for you and for me and i know sometimes we have questions about god's goodness You know, many of us maybe didn't grow up with such a great father. And I didn't grow up with a great father either. You know, and, and we've had some negative situations that we were in with our father, which causes us sometimes to doubt that God is that good. But I want to tell you, God is saying today that he wants you to know that even the very best earthly fathers are nothing compared to who he is and what he wants to do for you. Amen? Amen? The enemy we have an enemy and i tell you if there's one thing he does not want you to see he does not want you to see this he wants you to live totally unaware of the mercy of not just the mercy but of the goodness and the grace and the favor of god but through jesus christ we have every reason to be optimistic every reason to be confident every reason to have attitudes of gratitude to be thankful every reason to look for God's goodness in every situation, in every circumstances that we find ourselves in. Amen? God's there. Question. Why would we settle for less than what God wants to give us? Why would we settle for less than what God wants to give us? Economically. Financially. Relationally. Physically. How about maritally? No. Why settle for a lousy marriage? Right? Why settle for being sick? Why settle for being addicted for the rest of your life? Why not believe God for healing? Let's believe God for healing again. Why not believe God for deliverance from, a, from every addiction and from depression? Why settle for less than the best that God wants to give you? Amen? Amen. In Jesus Christ, Jubilee is alive and it's well today. It's alive and well today. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Let me just check my time. Okay, two reasons Not what I believe. That that first generation of people, remember the Bible in Exodus? Genesis going to Exodus. They were delivered out of Egypt. They were in the desert. And that first generation of people just went around and around that desert for 40 years. They never entered the promised land. They never inherited. Do you remember that story? I believe there's two reasons. And you study, and I believe it's right, two reasons why. First one, unbelief. Second one, disobedience. Unbelief, disobedience. I want to talk about unbelief, disobedience. This, those two reasons are the very two same reasons why many Christians, why many of us don't experience the fullness and the blessings of a born-again, spirit-filled life and the favor of God. Unbelief and disobedience. Now, I don't want you to take this as a hard word. This part, because I believe the Bible tells us that the word is speak the truth in love, right? Okay, the truth is often we don't fully trust trust God's promises and God's principles. So therefore we don't put them into practice. Isn't that right? Romans 4:13. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants. Abraham You know, when you study uh, Old Testament, study the life of Abraham, so, so important, such a key in the Bible, key figure in the Bible, the way God treated Abraham. Abraham is, I don't know how many times I said it, but I need to remind you, He's, he's he's our father in the faith. He's the prototype of a new believer, of a New Testament believer. And the way that God dealt and treated Abraham Is a picture of a way that God treats us today as New Testament believers. The blessing passed down and what God and the promises given to Abraham are the very same promises that are passed down through history, through Jesus Christ, and into our life. Okay? So clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants, who's that? Us, right? Was based not on his obedience to law. But on a right relationship with God, that what? Comes by what? Faith. Comes by faith. You cannot have a right relationship with God without faith. Trusting Him with all your heart. Not leaning on to your own understanding. Amen? And a second part to it? Obedience and obeying Him. Let me illustrate. Some believers pray for financial miracles financial breakthroughs, financial blessing, but they aren't practicing the principle of giving, right? Like it says in Luke chapter six thirty-eight, "Given give and it will be given to you. It's a promise of God. Does he lie? Is it a promise? Is it true? Do you think it works? If you give, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, if you aren't obeying the word of God, God's word in faith, you can't receive the blessing that God has spoken over you through this word. Amen? Our unbelief is stopping the blessing he has spoken from coming to pass in our lives. The only thing that can stop the blessing of God from coming into your life is unbelief. So what is the blessing of God? And how do you receive it? I'm I'm just about finished. Galatians chapter 3, 14. The blessing of Abraham, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That Scripture is telling us that Abraham's blessing has come upon us through faith in Christ. And the ble- no. Now, these blessings aren't the things that Abraham possessed. They're not just, we're not talking about things so much here. Here's a good question. I think Andrew Walmart well, uh, um, asked this question. Would you want Abraham's animals who've been dead for 4,000 years? I don't think so. Would you want his tent and clothes? I don't think so. But what you do want, what you do want, is the favor of God that was spoken over his life, which produced spiritual, physical, and spiritual abundance. That is the blessing that has been passed down from Abraham through the centuries, through Christ, and into our lives, available for us today. Amen? And when Jesus came, when he came in Luke's gospel chapter 4, He announced it. When He came, He announced it. He pronounced it. He spoke it. He declared that the kingdom of God is the never-ending jubilee of God's goodness. That's what the blessing is. It's God's divine, spoken favor over our lives. And that blessing, if we mix it with faith, will produce abundance in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. Amen man amen 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 it's all through faith so i have to ask this question why why do we want to live in the blessing and the favor and the goodness of god do we want it just for ourselves is that why we want it here's why why do we want the favor and blessing in our lives in our church why do i want i why do i want to see you so blessed physically mentally spiritually economically financially and way? here's why because it fulfills our original kingdom mandate, which was first given to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, which says, I will make you a great nation and bless you. I will make you famous. You will be a blessing. Amen? I will bless those who bless you, those who curse you. I'll curse. And then he says this, all. The families on earth will be blessed through you. Through you. Amen? How does God bless the earth? Through you. Through His church. That's the agency of God's you know, ability is to bless to His people who are His vessels. Amen? That's why I want more. I want more. I don't want just enough for me. I want more so I can give, so I can help. I see that need. I feel helpless because, God, if I just had $100,000, I could just... Give them that, and I could see that, that, that development, that that mission, that orphanage, whatever it is. I could, I could do so much more if I was just more blessed. If I just you know, Anyway, I, I need to have more. It's not just about the money. It's way more than that. We don't have time to go into that. <clears throat> All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. There are huge needs in this world. And one thing we need to realize, that we are blessed to be a blessing to the world. We are, you study the Bible, you read the parables, and Jesus will tell you, you are, you are a steward, you are a manager of the blessings of God that come into your life. It, can, it comes into your life, you can enjoy it, some of it, but you're not supposed to keep all of it. right? On your PowerPoint, we're called, we're blessed to be a blessing, we are the vessels we are the conduits, we are the pipeline. We are the, the channel through which God uses to bring the resources of heaven to Earth, which are His presence, His power, His provision, His love, His kindness, His kingdom to this world, this earth. We are in this world to be a blessing. Amen. If you agree with that, shout, Amen. Amen, Amen, Amen. 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 Time to close. Bow your heads. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your amazing grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for more than even one. We can thank you even for more than that. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your goodness. Father in heaven, open up our eyes to see the extravagant goodness and favor that you have for us. You are our Father. And you have planned good things for us. Help us to take the limits off of you. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Why don't you keep your heads bowed for just another couple of minutes. You may be here today. And you know about Jesus. You've heard about him. But you've never personally invited this King of Kings Lord of lords, into your life. To be not deceiving, to be Lord and take leadership in your life. To direct your life, give it purpose, give it a plan, and give you eternal life in heaven. God wants to give you so much, and the greatest gift he could give you today, greatest gift you could receive, greater than any Christmas gift coming up, is the gift of his salvation. The gift of eternal life. You know, it's a gift of forgiveness. A new life, a new start, new beginning. And it starts with simply believing in Jesus. Just believe in Jesus. And then then just inviting Him into your heart. Opening up your heart. Open up to eternity. Open up to a brand new start for you and for your family. Amen? If that's you, then you can pray this prayer. But when you pray this prayer, I want you to pray it. I want you to mean it with every, with all your heart. Mean these words. God from heaven will hear it's sincere, honest prayer. And I tell you, you'll experience a miracle. You know what it's called? Born again. Born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit, not of a husband's will, of human decision, a husband's will, but born of God. Born of the Spirit. So, are you ready? This ready? ready to experience a brand new start, gift of eternal life, pray after me these words, Father in heaven. Father in heaven, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross and to pay for all my sins. I believe in Jesus. I believe he was not just crucified, but that he rose from the grave, overcame death, and he's alive today. And today, Lord, Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be Savior and Lord of my life. In your name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Keeping your eyes closed, heads bowed. If you said that word, and you're sitting here today in this auditorium, I want you to raise your hand and just wave it really high. Receive Christ for the very first time. Anyone here, raise your hand. You said that prayer, raise your hand. I want you to go back. To this to death is called connections, Kiosk. I want to tell you that that decision that you made is a beginning. It's an incredible journey with God. They'll tell you what your next step is. You said that prayer online. Let us know. Touch that hand. We'll connect you with someone. We'll tell you what your next step is. in your faith walk in this incredible walk, faith walk with Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for this day.